Chapter Four of Dyke Darrell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dyke Darrell, the Railroad Detective, or the Crime of the Midnight Express, by Frank Pinkerton. Chapter Four. Scout. The gentleman is a friend," said Mrs. Scarlet. "You need not fear to speak before him. I hain't no wish to hear any private talk," said Nick Brower, and with that he cast a keen, knowing look into the visitor's face and passed from the room. "We're alone, Professor. So it seems. What news do you bring? Have you heard of the midnight express robbery? I have, and that Dyke Darrell is on the trail. I have heard all that and more," said the woman. My nephew has been arrested and taken to Missouri by this same infamous Dyke Darrell. It was an awful blow to me. It leaves me entirely alone in the world. I am ready to do anything to compass the ruin of the detective who brought me to this. I am glad to hear you say it, madam. I came here for advice and help. I assure you that it is highly necessary for all of us that Dyke Darrell be removed. Well, he might be enticed here and quietly disposed of. Will you entice him? I might, but well, as the man hesitated, you see, I've got a place to fill in the world, and I don't want to mix with anything that's unlawful. And the professor stroked his red beard in a solemn manner. Yet you would be glad to see Dyke Darrell dead. Hush, woman! Walls have ears. You are imprudent. I have nothing against Mister Darrell in particular. Only he has injured my friends, and may be up to more of his tricks. Now, as regards Watson Wilkes, you say Dyke Darrell has gone to Missouri with the boy in charge. Yes, the last friend I had in the world has been torn from me to languish in prison. I will have the detective's heart's blood for this," cried the woman with passionate vehemence. "Of course," agreed the professor. "But of what crime was the young man accused? Not the one on the midnight express, I hope." The tall visitor bent eagerly forward then and penetrated the woman with a keen gaze. No, no," was the quick reply. "I know that Martin had no hand in that. Martin, Watson, I mean," corrected Mrs. Scarlet. "I sometimes call the boy Martin, which is his middle name, so he has a right to it. Exactly. You know that the boy had nothing to do with the robbery last night. I don't wish to argue or dispute with a lady, but I shall be compelled to question how you know so much. Will you answer? Because, because Martin is incapable of such work." I have read all about it in the papers, and I am confident that it was the work of an organized band. The professor laughed until his white teeth gleamed in the lamplight. So sure, he said, you consider that nephew of yours a pattern of propriety. Is this the only reason you have for believing that Watson Wilkes had no hand in the murder of Arnold Nicholson and the rifling of the Express Company's safe? I have another. Well, he was in Chicago at the time the deed was done. Can you prove this? Professor Ruggles seemed extremely eager as he bent forward and touched the arm of Madge Scarlet with a white forefinger. I can prove it. Very good. It may never be necessary, but if the worst comes, you may be called on. I suppose you're not in the best of circumstances, Mrs. Scarlet. The professor drew forth his wallet. I shall suffer now that my boy is gone. Don't fear that, madam," returned Darlington Ruggles as he laid a bank note for a large amount in her hand. Providence and your friends will take care of you. You have rendered me more than one good service, and I may call on you for more soon, much sooner than you imagine. Anything I can do, Professor, will be gladly performed," was the woman's answer as she clutched the banknote eagerly and thrust it from sight. Then Professor Ruggles turned to the door. 
Here he paused and faced the woman once more. Madge, what charge was your nephew arrested under? An old one. That is not an answer, and the man frowned. The charge is for uttering counterfeit coin. I believe the boy was innocent, but there was money on the other side, and Martin was sent up for ten years, my husband for fifteen. My man died of a broken heart, being innocent, and Martin served five years and then escaped. I understand. I don't think the boy will ever serve out his time. I hope he may not, but keep a stout heart, Mrs. Scarlet. Influences are at work to free the boy. It will not do to permit him to languish in prison. I tell you, Providence is on your side. Then Mr. Darlington Ruggles passed from the room. Strange man, muttered the woman after he was gone. He is a mystery. Sometimes I imagine he is not what he seems, but a detective. I hope I have given nothing away, for I find it won't do to trust anybody these days. In the meantime, Professor Darlington Ruggles made his way to another part of the city, not far from the river, and met a man in a dingy basement room near the rear of a low dodgery. Strange place for a learned professor, was it not? You've kept me waiting a while, boss. The speaker was the man we have seen at Madge Scarlet's, Nick Brower by name. I couldn't get away sooner, returned the professor. How does the land lay, Nat? In an ugly quarter. I feared so myself. That young chap Dyke Darrell took to Missouri knows enough to hang you. And you too, pard, don't forget that, retorted the grizzled villain grimly. I forget nothing, said Mr. Ruggles, giving his plug hat a rub across his left arm. It isn't pleasant, to say the least, having matters turn out in this way. I wish to see you in regard to this Dyke Darrell. I'm all years, pard. He must never see Chicago again. Well, I want you to see to it, Nick. I don't know about that, muttered the grocer villain. I've shed about enough blood, I reckon. It is for your own safety that I speak, Nick. No trace of that last work can ever reach me. Don't be too sure, Darl Ruggles. With Dyke Darrell on the trail, there's no knowing where it'll end. He's unearthed some of the darkest work ever did in Chicago and St. Louis. I would breathe a darn sight more comfortable-like if Dyke Darrell was under the sod. So would others. Yourself, for instance. I won't deny it, Nick. I don't feel very comfortable with the young detective free. Between you and me, Nick, I believe we can make this the last trail Dyke Darrell ever follows. A thousand dollars to the man who takes the detective's scalp. That is worth winning, Nick. Put her there, pard. Nick Brower held out his huge hand and clasped the small white one of the professor. I'll win that thousand or go begging the rest of my days, Darrell Ruggles. I hope you may. You'd best take the next train for the southwest. I won't be far behind. And then the two separated. A little later, Professor Darlington Ruggles stood on the dock overlooking the river and the shipping. Although yet early in the season, the big lake was open, and several vessels laden with lumber had entered the river from various ports on the eastern shore during the day. A tug lay on the further side, and a schooner with bare spars loomed up in the moonlight. This open sewer has witnessed more than one crime, mused the professor. I would like it if that infernal Dyke Darrell was at the bottom of the river. He has taken into his head to hunt down the men who killed Arnold Nicholson, and if there's a man east of the Mississippi who can ferret out this crime, Dyke Darrell is the one. But I don't mean to permit him to do anything of the kind, if I know myself. It's a fight between the detective and as sharp a man as any detective that ever lived. I imagine, hello, who is this? The last exclamation was caused by the sudden appearance of a dark form coming up over the dock as if from the water. A moment later a man paused within six feet of Professor Ruggles and penetrated him with a pair of glittering eyes. "'What do you want?' 
It was the professor who uttered the word, at the same time receding a step or two, for the stranger's glance startled him considerably. "'Who are you?' demanded the stranger, shortly. "'It does not concern you.' "'Don't it? Well, see about that.' An arm shot forward. The professor's plug fell to the ground, and, the next instant, a red wig was swung aloft in the moonlight. "'Ha! I thought so. You are the man I seek.' The speaker's words were cut off suddenly. End of chapter 4